Good evening. My topic is in the bag. Turn to your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4, if you would. And when you get it, wait for me to get it. That's my topic. That's how we're doing it. So, Revelation chapter 4, verse 4, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Two things I want you to see over in verse 4. It says, The four and twenty elders sitting clothed with white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. The Bible says that there are Five different crowns, I believe. Five different crowns that the Christian can earn. Now, not every Christian is going to earn every crown. In fact, there are crowns that some of us cannot earn. <clears throat> there are very few in this auditorium that could claim the pastor's crown. That only goes to one man here. And you could include Brother Mark if you wanted to. But, but the... The, uh, the pastor's crown, well, I don't know that uh, I can do that. I don't know that I can claim that. There are a couple other crowns. Um, the ones I thought of is the crown of rejoicing, the crown of uh, the soul winner's crown, and the crown of life. The crown of life, everyone who's trusted Jesus Christ as Savior can cast that crown at the feet of Jesus. Because that's the other thing I wanted to point out, is that they didn't keep these crowns on their heads. Verse 10, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. My goal is not to see how many crowns I can collect for me. My goal is to see how many crowns I can collect to throw at Jesus' feet one day. Amen. My crowns are not so you can see, oh, look what a good Christian that fella is. And honestly, it doesn't matter if I get credit on this earth for anything that I've done for Christ. The only person it matters to is me and Jesus. If I think I earned crowns, 
but he doesn't think I earned crowns, guess what? I don't have any crowns to cast at his feet. The purpose of the Christian life, pastors told us, uh, to bring him honor, to bring him praise. The only way I can do that is to earn one or two of those crowns so that I have something to cast at the feet of, of Jesus Christ. God, God doesn't expect me to be like Pastor Hanks. God doesn't expect me to be like Kent Stumfel. God doesn't expect me to be like Melvin Franklin. Thank God for that. But, but God expects me to be everything he expects me to be. And God expects you to be everything that he expects you to do. The, the uh, parable of the talents where one got five and said, I got five more. One got two and said, I got two more. And the other one said, well, I knew you're an austere man and I just put it away. I hid it. My fear is hiding my talents because that's how I'll get my crowns for Jesus Christ. I don't want to stand... As the song, song says, must I go and empty-handed? <laughs> I feel like Charlie Brown. I got a rock. But um, it's gold. So I don't know about you, the first thing that came to my mind is heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, uh, chapter 21 rather, verse 18 says, in the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, likened to clear glass. In verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt about it. Once you get saved, God has one primary reason for you to be in this world. Uh, Pastor, I wonder what it looked like being up here. <laughs> Looking, not a whole lot of people out there, is it? But it's a lot. But uh, we, um, I believe that God saved me for one reason, and that's to bring others to him. I, um, you know, I, I, I try to be a soul winner. Uh, I'm not a very good soul winner like, uh, you know, other people. I mean, none of us have succeeded in this area of trying to win people to Christ. Uh, it's a constant struggle. Um, and I, I do, I, I do try to, to win people to Christ. Uh, brother Allen and I went out this afternoon and, uh, we were talking to each other on the way back and, uh, he said he didn't feel the greatest. And I said, well, yeah, I was hoping you were going to call me and tell you, me, you didn't want to go. Cause I probably, I wouldn't have went by myself, but we, you know, after it was all over, praise God, we saw two people today pray and bow their head and accept Christ as their savior. And uh, I have the address. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I'm going to start doing in Topeka, all the people we lead to Christ uh, next year, we're going to appoint them to the Capital City Baptist Church. Um, and you know, I'm really excited about uh, Brother Mark Upshindak and his family being here and this church. And uh, Brother, you're on my prayer list every day. You, you don't have to worry about that. But um, I, I've been saved for 44 years. I got saved on July the 20th, 1977. If anybody goes soul with me, 
First thing I tell people, hey, when I was a teenager, when I was 19 years old, 44 years ago, on July the 20th, 1977, and I tell them the only reason I remember the date is I wrote it down, and that's true. Uh, back then, you wouldn't want to be around me. I had long hair. I was a hippie. I did not know I was going to hell. I thought everybody went to heaven. But when I got saved, uh, I never forget a little book that my twin brother and I came across. Uh, it was a little book called Let's Go Soul Winning by Dr. Jack Howes. I didn't know who he was. Did not know that one, one day I would, be a, I would be a member of First Baptist Church for seven years and, um, and talked to the man personally a couple times. But um, God used that book to start something in my heart. Hey, you can do this. You can lead people to Christ. Uh, Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want to give you three things from that verse that will help your soul winning. Number one, Jesus said, go. Um, it's not very, doesn't take a whole lot of intellect to understand what it means to go. That means go. It means to get in your car and go. Uh, we could have stayed home today and we wouldn't have knocked on any doors today. We wouldn't have been able to witness to anybody today and nobody would have bowed their head to get saved. So Jesus said, go. All you have to do, number one, is obey him and go. Go. Say, go ye. I, I believe that means every born-again Christian. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm excited about Brother David and, and uh, Katie Joe going to Africa. You know, and I pray for these people. And I'm thinking, you know, they're going to a foreign land, but they're supposed to be doing there what we're doing here. If they're going to Africa just to be on a vacation, then they need to come back and give the money back and admit, hey, we were dishonest. And, you know, and uh, I hope you're going there to go soul winning to lead people to Christ because there's people dying everywhere. This morning I was sitting out in front of uh, Audi this afternoon and every person came out of the store. I said, that person, if they're not saved, they're going to hell. Another person came out. If that person's not saved, they're going to hell. You know, if you would start to see people as lost souls, Jesus said, go. Number two, pray. If you don't pray about it, you're not going to see many people get saved. You're not going to see very few people get saved. And number three, you need to get in the habit. When you go soul winning to preach, Jesus said, preach the gospel the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to tell them how to be saved. It's not just inviting them to church, folks. That's not soul winning. Soul winning is telling people from the Bible, like we did today, and open the Bible, show them the verses, how to be saved. And I can promise you, you will see people get saved if you will do that. That's Jesus' formula for winning people to Christ. Last of the old men. I'm still in my 40s. All right. Got your Bibles. Please turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter something or other. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I told Pastor that if I have to write my sermon, I won't be able to read my notes, so I can't read them. All right. So 
I get a lovely ornament, so we're going to talk about the ornaments of grace. No, we're going to talk about the church. That's what I thought was the church when I saw this, and we're going to talk about the church. And so uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Bible says, And I say unto, also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to say that again, and I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to talk about the church. There's so many things we could talk about and preach about from the church, but we're going to talk about three, three quick points real quickly because I only got five minutes. And the first one is Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation. You know, I want to, I, when I think about this and I think of the, the, the story that Jesus talks about, the person that built his house upon the sand, when the storms came, what happened? It fell apart. There's no greater rock than Jesus. And that foundation of this church, the church was built upon Jesus. The church is built upon the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And what is the Messiah? He is the Son of God who came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross to pay the debts that I owe and you owe so we wouldn't have to die and go to hell. The foundation is Jesus. And that's an exciting thing because I know for a fact that I could whip a wobble on sand or I could be on the rock and I could stand sure and know that I know that I have a God that will not fail as long as I stand on that rock. Number two, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Ephesians 5, 23 and 24. The Bible says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I'm going to talk about marriage next. No, uh, I'm going to talk about our relationship to the husband. Jesus is the head. Who's the boss? He's the boss. He's the boss. He's the one that tells me what I need to do. And if I'm going to be a good spouse to my, uh, to my Christ, then I need to submit and do what he wants. If he wants me to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, then I need to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He wants me to read my Bible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and of course, obviously on Sunday, then I need to read my Bible every day of the week. If he wants me to spend time with him in prayer, then I need to spend time with him in prayer. I can't just lollygag back and take a year off and say, you know what, Christ, will, you'll be there because he is. He's always there. I can't push him off. I need to submit to him. He has desires for me. He has a, a way for me. It's like, but it's value. I don't like the standards of the Heritage Baptist Church. Guess what? No one asked you. <laughs> I, I preached a sermon once in, in a chapel about loving Christ. And I said, if you love him, it doesn't matter. If you're in love with someone, it doesn't matter if they have bad breath. You're still going to be in love with them. If you're in love with someone, hey, they may not look good in the morning, but guess what? You stay married to them. Why? Because you're in love with them. And, you know, when you're in love with someone, if they ask you to do something, you'll go the extra mile. When you're in love with someone, you want to spoil them with everything you have. And so, number one, Jesus Christ is the foundation. Number two, Jesus is the head of the church. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 8, because this is where we get a little hot here. Uh, the Bible says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're in a war. I don't know if you realize this or not. We're in a war. And last year... They declared war, and a lot of people acted like the French and raised their hands and said, we surrender, we surrender. 
If Dr. Fauci says it, then we need to obey Dr. Fauci. The Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. He's my head. He's my foundation. And if he's my head and my foundation, you know where we should have been? We should have been in church. And I know most of you were. And if you weren't, get right with God. Next time it's going to happen because it's going to happen real soon. We got an election this year, and guess what? Omicron, he's going to take us, so we have to do mail-in voting and lit lockdown again. Or another, or another variant, because that's, they now know, hey, the church is afraid of the cold. So we're now afraid of a virus instead of fearing God. He's my head. He's my foundation that I don't have anything else to worry about. As long as I stay in that foundation. And you know what? I'm not going to stay in that foundation if I go home and I stay at home and I'm watching TV or I'm watching whatever's on the internet. I'm not going to stay on that foundation. You know where I'm going to stay in that foundation? Where I stand and sit in that pew and listen to the man of God preach the word of God. Amen. And bless God, we do have a man of God here at Heritage Baptist Church. Right. And the gates of hell should not prevail. We are at a war. Satan has got all these people in fear. He's got them enclosed in the gates of fear. Go to housing and college for four years. You graduate, you're going to go, go into hell with a squirt gun to get as many people saved. I love that attitude. Somehow along the way, a lot of my fellow college, kids, uh, college mates forgot that. We're going to get them out of hell. God has decided to choose us Amen. to go and bring them out of hell. We are the vessels that God has chosen to use. Yes, we use the word of God. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, he's the answer. But they're living in fear. And, in, and guess what? They're locked in their doors. Number one, Jesus is the foundation. Number two, Jesus is the, hell, is the head. Number three, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. And of some having compassion, making a difference. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. In verse number one, and then hold your place there and jump over to Romans chapter number 13. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, my topic is time. I've got this lovely clock. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse number one, it says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up. I could read, but it's going to waste too much time. Uh, <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, 28 times in this passage, um, it refers to time um, uh, in, in, in everything. Um, time is a constant. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to slow it down, and there's nothing that we can do to speed it up. Now, the older we get, the faster it appears to move, but again, time is a constant. And your time that you've been given with your life is set. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, when you were born, I was born October the 13th, 1989. I will die at some point in time or unless I go up in the rapture. But that time is fixed and God knows it. Now, Romans chapter number 13. In verse number 11 it says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Every second that slips by, your life's going by. For what is our life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. That's our life. Um, we, we read about it every day. Obituaries. People die. But what are you doing with the time that God has given you? 
Is there places and, and things that you could be doing more if, for the time that you have? Um, I know myself, um, I've, there's a lot of areas in my life that I could be doing better with my time. Um, reading my Bible, praying, going soul winning, like Brother Franklin said. Just things that we could be doing with our time rather than sitting on a couch doing nothing. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Every second gets us closer to that inevitable end. It gets us closer to the Lord coming back. What are we doing with our time? How are we spending that time? Um, this unfortunately doesn't have a, a battery in it, but if it did, that would move. And with every second, now you're in the past. And what are you doing with the time that God has given you? We don't know when we're going to end. We don't know. We, tonight, it's supposed to be really bad. We could be driving home like that, gone. And what were you doing with your time? When you stand before God to get the crowns that you were given, is he going to say, well, here's your, here's your crown of life. You were saved. Because you got saved, but you didn't do anything with your time. You sat there. You went to church, yes, that's a good thing to do, but were you involved? Did you go summoning? Did you hand out a tract? Did you read your Bible? Did you pray? Did, how did you use the time that God gave you? And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. All right, if you can turn to Proverbs chapter number 2. Proverbs chapter number two. In my bag was a gift, and to the joy of my kids who like empty Christmas boxes more than the present that was inside that you paid good money for, it was empty. All right. There's many different gifts that you could talk about in the Bible, but today I want to talk about one that means a whole lot to me. It's been Proverbs chapter number two. The Bible says in verse number one, my son, if thou wilt receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifteth, liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Tonight I'd like to talk about the gift of wisdom so oftentimes taken for granted. Wisdom is one of those things that all of us have to have in our life to live a life that we would consider successful. Wisdom is, is an important part of that. And so often wisdom is something that's forgotten. It's thrown away. It's not heeded. I know for me as a young person, I liked to learn things and I didn't always learn things in the easiest way possible. I like to read, but there are some things that you have to learn the hard way. I understand that a bird has wings. I understand that a bird can fly. What took me a little bit longer to understand was that if I made myself wings and jumped off the back of our garage, I could not fly just because I had wings and understood how it's supposed to work. I didn't have the wisdom to understand a bird flies because God made it to fly, didn't make me to fly. But in this passage, you see in the very first verse, it says, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, it starts out with Solomon. He's giving wisdom, he's instructing his son 
He's trying to give the gift of wisdom. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people in your life that will try to give you gifts of wisdom, but it's up to us whether we accept it or not. I can, I can hand this gift to anybody out here, but if you don't want to take it, you don't have to. The gift of wisdom so often is missed, not because it wasn't given, but because it wasn't received. As you go on, you go a little bit farther, and it says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, in verse number three, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. The second part is this, wisdom is one of those things that sometimes you have to search for it. You may be facing something in your life where you need wisdom to get through it, and there's not somebody standing there handing you the answers. There's a lot of times you're going through something in your life, it might be a difficult circumstance in your life, and there's not a clear answer about what you should be doing. There's not a book that you can pull out and read and say, this is how I should live my life, this is exactly the decision I should make, this is what I should do. Sometimes you have to search for it. Whether it's getting advice from a pastor, whether it's studying in God's word what he has for you, sometimes you have to search for wisdom. In chapter number three, of Proverbs, it says that in verse number 13, it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. You know what? Wisdom is a gift that is given freely to us through God's word. It's given to us through the preaching of a pastor. It's given to us from the elder people that have lived life, they understand, and they can bestow wisdom upon us. And you know what? If we accept that, the Bible says we're going to be happy. It's a gift that we can use the rest of our life. You know, you get, a, you get a lot of gifts. We got our kids bikes for Christmas. And the bad thing about a bike is you can't ride the same bike that you start with all the way until you're an adult. As an adult riding a tricycle, you start looking a little bit funny. Okay? <laughs> we get our kids bikes, and you know what? They're going to be great for a few years, but after that, it gets old. But can I tell you, wisdom is a gift that it says, if you gain wisdom, you will be happy. That's something that will last your entire lifetime. Amen. Seeking wisdom, it's not always what you want to do. You don't always want to ask for wisdom. You don't always want to ask somebody's opinion. You don't always want to ask a pastor, what should I do? Sometimes you just want to do it yourself. But can I tell you, if you get advice before you make a decision, you're going to be far happier in the long run. You know what? My kids, they could ask for gifts. And they like things. But the greatest thing I could ever pass on to them is the gift of wisdom. Amen. And the greatest thing my children could ever do is listen to those around them and accept the wisdom, the gift that's given to them. Well, I didn't know what to do, so I Googled Joel Olstein real quick. No. <laughs> Amen. I got a New Testament. I'm going to preach on the Word. Amen. Psalms uh, 119. Psalms uh, chapter 119. Amen. Psalms 119. Uh, verse uh, 97 here. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 97. The Bible says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And I just read it one more time. Psalms 119, verse 97. The Bible says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. All right, before I go any farther, I know it's God's word, and I say the Bible says just the way I am, so don't come to me later and say it's actually God says, okay, it's the same thing, all right? And if you disagree, I'm sorry. 
I'll say it your way next time just for you. Okay, anyways, here we go. Uh, uh, oh, how I love I, the law. Uh, I don't know about the, if you know about this. This is God's word, and sometimes as Christians, we overlook that. And we say, Brother Michael, I already know this. It's dumb. Yeah, it's God's word, and you know what? It's a, it's a love letter for, uh, from God to us on how to live our lives. You know, my wife and I, she, she, she writes me notes, and I write her notes. And, you know, to me, that's a, a, a picture of, uh, uh, you know, uh, she's not any type of God. Amen. No. no. But uh, she writes me, she writes me uh, notes, and when she writes me notes, it doesn't matter how big or how small. It doesn't matter if it's on a big card or if it's on a sticky note. Every time I get a card, I'm like, woo! And then when we get read God's word, we ought to be excited about it because you know why? It's God's word. And you know, we sit there and we think that the God of all creation, think about this, we're made lower than the angels. He wrote a word for us to live our lives by and we have so many problems and so many uh, details in our lives that we don't know. But in God's word, it's spelt out so much. And we, we put God's word on the back burner and we try to put ourselves in God's place. And he says, hey, I've already done this before. If you just read my word people have already made the same mistakes uh you cannot make those and he puts it oh how love i lie law it is my meditation all the day and you know i love my wife if you didn't know that all right and uh i love my wife i think about her all day long all right you say what are you thinking about none of your business all right i love her and i think about her all right i i, I think about when she's not there i think about holding her hand all right i i think about her all the time and uh, i don't know if i'm embarrassing her yeah i am amen <laughs> hey you know what <laughs> hey think about sometimes we don't think about god uh, uh, one thing, well, a new love of my life, uh, uh, my wife told me this last week, she's like, you love golf more than me. And I said, you know it. And uh, <laughs> I love golf. If I'm not careful, I will watch golfing videos. I will watch, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll read golf, I'll breathe golf, and I'll think about it all the time. And you know what, sometimes I've got to be careful because I'll put that in front of God. And you know, in your life, there's something that might be taking the place of God or is a close competitor. You got to put God's word first in your life. You know, how love I thy law? It is my meditation all day. All the day long, you ought to be thinking about his word. Why? Uh, look just a, a few verses. Number one, it brings joy because it saved me. Look a few verses down. Uh, uh, Psalms, uh, uh, um, amen. Praise God. It's here in the Bible. Uh, verse, uh, um, uh, it saves you, amen? It doesn't matter where it's at, it's in the Bible, all right? For God, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, amen? How did I get saved? Because someone took a Bible and saved me. Why do I have joy in my life? Because God saved me, and I got saved through his word. I didn't get saved off a man's, uh, a man's words, I didn't get saved off of anything else, but someone took the Bible, and the Bible sanctified them through thy truth, thy word is truth. That's the only way, create in me a clean heart, O God. Uh, you know what, it was through the Bible. Psalms 119, verse 103, the Bible says, how sweet are thy words unto my uh, uh, taste, yea, sweet than honey to my mouth. You know what? The Bible is sweet because I like it. You say, well, duh. Oh, okay. I'm getting ready. New Year's tomorrow. I'm going to start doing no sugar. I love sugar more than anything else. My wife says, you can't have ice cream for breakfast. Yes, you can. You can't have ice cream for lunch. Yes, you can. Pastor says, you can't have that all the time. I'll do it. I will eat so much sugar and exercise so I can keep eating sugar. That way it doesn't show. One of these days it's going to catch up to me. And you know what? Uh, it's sweet because I love it. You know what? Uh, uh, there's a lot of things that people want. They don't like God's word. They don't want the natural stuff. They don't want the healthy stuff. They don't want stuff that can actually help them in life. They want all this uh, NIV and all this other uh, others junk. They want to tickle their ears. They want to listen to these things that, you know what? We need God's word. You know what? I turn on the radio because I got bored and we're traveling up here and I forgot a CD and so I started listening to the radio and this guy was telling, he had a good thought. There's no Bible behind it and it was kind of weak. But, you know, that's what the world likes nowadays. 
And, you know, if you're not careful, you like those kind of things too. You'll say, oh, I, I, I kind of like that. You know, that's not as hard as I get from God's word. Sometimes God's word steps on your toes. And you know what? Sometimes you eat something that's a little too sweet for you. But you know what? You keep going back to it. You know what? You ought to keep going back to God's word because it, it's, it, you ought to love it because you like it. it. It's simple as that. It brings me joy because I'm saved. Uh, uh, you know what? And, and then uh, look at verse 11, Psalms 119 and verse 11. Psalms 119, you ought to love God's word, amen? Psalms 119 verse 11 says, thy, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You ought to hide God's word in your heart. Have you ever thought about this? Not just read it, but hide it. Not just memorize it. When you hide something in your life, uh, amen? Amen, you gotta you got hide it in your word. In your, uh, <laughs> you know, if you hide something, you love it. If you hide, uh, uh, you, you say, what do you, what do you mean by this? You know, uh, there's things, uh, Sorry, Jamie. Uh, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You know what? Uh, uh, my wife, uh, she tells me things and she, 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 she writes me letters and I hide those. And when she writes, some of you kids, you write me uh, uh, letters in school. You know, those are cool. You're like, oh, you're the best teacher ever. Liar. <laughs> Jamie writes, you're the best husband ever. I'm like, yeah. All right. God's word says, God's word gives a promise. You ought to go around and say, my God loves me. That word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. Let me figure out how to turn this thing on first, and then we'll go. Can I? Don't start the clock yet. Oh, I'm already talking through it? Okay, that's embarrassing. All right. I guess it's good to get, like, the first bad one out of the way. Uh, you know, every other sermon I preach from now on, I'll just be smooth and perfect. Okay, so in my bag was a bottle of water. And that's funny because I've been trying to drink more water. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, if I'm not running to the bathroom every 10 minutes, I know I need to drink more water. But more than that, actually, lately, I've really been trying to um, drink more of the living water, as in do what Pastor continuously tells us to do and get up and pray. And, and, okay, excuse me for not dressing so nice like everyone else. I thought this was more of a get-together. I didn't know it would be so serious. Forgive me, I come from a non-denominational church, okay? <laughs> so, I do. Give me some time. Maybe I've been here three years, maybe four more. <laughs> okay, go to John 7.38. John 7:38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We always talk about how Jesus is the living water, and sermon after sermon we hear that you need to drink more of the living water, you need to fill yourself with the living water. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about how if you drink water consistently and you're consistently putting it in, you should be able to have it flow out of you as well. Um, Jesus will flow out of you. I looked up real quick on Esword, belly. Um, so out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Belly can mean heart, inner person, an empty cavity. So that empty cavity needs to be filled. We drink the living water. And when we drink enough, overflow, you know how it goes, you know. Flows out of you. 
Because if you're not drinking enough for it to flow out of you, then it's kind of like how James says, your faith has no works, it's dead. You know, you, you, can, you can come help out at church, and it's any, every member is important, and you can do little things in ministry, but I think the most important, I think we all agree, is when we witness to people, and that water flows out of us into other people. And at the time, you know, in context, he's talking to the woman at the well, I believe. Nope, not this one. It's a different one. Um, but he does talk to the woman at the well. I, I didn't write that one down. Forgive me. And he's telling her, you don't need that water if you have me. And that's what we need to be telling people, but if you have him. And real quick, go to First Peter 3.20. I'm going to try to hurry because I have like four or five verses. Just real quick that I want to point out. First Peter 3.20, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Saved by water because they were in the ark, they lifted it. But I want to just point something out that's interesting to me, is that God sent this flood of water to judge the world, and this judging water says it saved the faithful. So God is the judge, the living water. Who saves the faithful? Um, I just thought that was interesting. Um, another one I want to go to is, um, let's see. Okay, I didn't write down the verse. So, again, non-denominational. I don't use the Bible that much. Uh, I want to point something out. Peter walked on the water, right? And we talk about that. So, along the topic of water. When he was walking on the water, when he first got in, he had total faith in Jesus. He said, let me come out. And Jesus said, come. And he just knew he could do it because Jesus said it. But then he saw the storm coming and the winds blowing. And I swear I, what went through his mind, I shouldn't swear, but I think what went through his mind is probably what would have went through mine. And that's, you see the trouble up ahead and you go, I'm standing on this water. I don't I don't know how I can keep standing on this water while this trouble and wind's blowing and coming. He forgot for a second who he was standing on, what he was standing on, and that was Jesus while he was coincidentally standing on the water. Um, and I think that we do that too. And it distracts us from having that water flow out of us like it should. You know, we see the circumstances in our life. Uh, we had to take our dog to the vet, it's a huge bill. Um, and we see that and go, I don't know how I'm going to, but then you have to realize, well, who gave me the money in the first place? A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, right? So, I mean, don't spend $2 million. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It's, if you have, you know, what? that's between you and God and your dog. So you just have to keep drinking. You have to keep putting in the word. Jesus is the word who's also the living water. So last verse, 1 John 5, 8, 7 and 8. 1 John 5, 7 and 8. Some of my favorite verses. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Coincidentally, this verse right here is taken out of every other Bible version. So there's no way to prove the Trinity. 
And then verse eight, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. So I just kind of, just like we can only come to, it's Father, Word, Holy Ghost in heaven, right? We can only come to the Father by the Word, which is Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, just like that. So only through the Spirit, water, blood, through the Spirit, living water can flow out of you, but only by His blood. And that's all I have. Keep drinking. Hold on. Real water and spiritual water. So, what I got out of my bag was a key. So, I'm, let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible talks about keys in different places. You have, uh, in Revelation, you have the keys to death and hell and the key to the bottomless pit. But in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3, it talks about a different key. Um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation, and the angel of the church in Philadelphia, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Talks about the key of David, I'm not 100% sure what that is, but it talks about, it also talks about doors. So, doors can be closed and they can be open, right? Well, these doors that uh, it's talking about here, God is the one that's being talked about right here, Jesus. He is, he is true. He is the, hath the key of David. He that openeth, no man shutteth. And shutteth, no man openeth. We, we, we see this early on in the Bible when we see the ark. When, when Noah built the ark, God, God opened the doors. And no one could close them. And when, they, when Noah and his family and all the animals went in the ark, God shut that door. And when anyone wanted to get in after that, they couldn't open the door. It was shut. We have doors in our lives. We have the doors that open, that close, just paths in our lives that we, we choose, that crossroads that we come to in our lives. Um, he, he, and, and oftentimes God is the one who provides for us the doors and, and who opens these ways and closes them. And we know that we, we're talking about God's will here. God has a specific, perfect will for our life. But a lot of times we, we don't know what it is. We, don't, we, we can't figure it out sometimes. Or, or there's a door that, that's open that, for something that we want to do ourselves. But it's not God's will. Well, sometimes God will shut that door. Or sometimes he'll leave it open for us and let us make that decision. We see that for Paul. When Paul went to Rome, he was told multiple times by the Spirit of God that he shouldn't go to Rome. Yet he still went. God never closed the door for him to go to Rome. And even though it may not have been God's perfect will for him to go to Rome, he was used in Rome. He, it, him going to Rome led to people of Caesar's, uh, the emperor's family being led to, to Christ, being saved. Amen. But in each and every one of our lives, there are doors that will open that will close. A door opened for me to come here many years ago. I didn't even realize it. But the first time I visited here, a door was open, and it led to me coming here. I know that God's will for me is to be here. Amen. But that didn't come just because the door was open. I had to, I had to find that out. I did, there, were, there were multiple colleges that I could go to, and all of them good colleges. But how did I know it was God's will for me to be here? Well, 
the key, the key to God's will is his word. We have to study his word and we have to pray. When we, when we just study, studying God's word isn't enough. It is enough, but it's not. We, we need prayer along with it. We need, we need God's wisdom. We need him to open up his word to us. His word doesn't open up to us just because we read it. Because you can read something without really reading it. And that's what so many of us do, me included, where you just, oh, I, I need to read my Bible today. Okay, I'm going to read it. Okay. All right, I'm done. I read my Bible. But that's, that's, that's not enough. To know God's will for our life, to, to truly know, we have to read his word, to study it. And there's a perfect will, specific will, and then there's, there is a, a general will. And we, we've all heard that many times, that God's will for us, every single Christian, God's will for every single Christian is to be a soul winner. Amen. It's hard. Amen. I'm, I'm not a good soul winner. I, I know that. But I try. I go out and I try. Amen. But and his will for us is also that we be in church. Every time the door is open. In Hebrews, it tells us not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is the manner of some. We can't forsake, we cannot forsake the house of God. We cannot forsake the church. Um, there, there are so many ways, there are so many things that God opens for us to do or closes. There are doors that close and that open. We just have to look, we have to pray, and we have to read God's word. Like, like what um, Cooper was saying about, you know, reading the Bible, you, you get filled with the water and you fill up and it comes out. So if you fill up with God's word, if you keep reading God's word, that is the key to knowing his will for your life. How are you guys doing tonight? You guys know what's next? Pretty sure it's dessert. Is that what's next? So it should be pretty quick then. I think we'll get done. Um, actually, in my bag, I didn't want to look inside. We'll just go with the paper bag. Should be pretty easy to preach on. Actually, I knew it was light, so I was assuming what was in here? Money. So I... Uh, Tonight, I'll be preaching on First uh, Kings uh, chapter 21, uh, verse 2 and 3. Um, it's about Naboth and uh, the vineyard. Uh, verse 2, And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for, the garden of, for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give unto thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seemeth good unto thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it to me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. Let's pray. Jesus, would you please just uh, help the service tonight? Lord, would you please just uh, uh, please let, help me to give uh, them a quick thought, Lord, and just uh, help them be able to take it home and take it to heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, in, that, uh, in that verse there, uh, the first thing I notice is he says, Give me thy vineyard. Satan, every time in our life, he wants us to give him something, something from us. I know I work at a discount tire up there in Indiana where I'm going to college. And they like us Hiles guys up there. They call us the holy rollers. But they love us working up there because we have something that lost people don't have. That's one thing that Satan sees. They all, they all want us to work as much as possible, and they love us working. And they let us off for whatever because we work hard, we we're faithful, we show up on time. It's something that people aren't trained. It's from the Bible, just living right and having standards and uh, responsibility. The second thing I see in there that uh, he said is uh, for a, is a better vineyard. 
he tried to give them something counterfeit, something that wasn't the same. The Lord didn't want him to, but he tried to offer him something that wasn't real, something that looks like the same thing. A lot of times in money, they have people that can look at money and say, okay, that's a fake and that's a real. Just like that, we need to have someone in our lives that can help us to see, okay, that's not the best decision next in our life to make the right decisions. The uh, third thing, because every good message has three points, uh, is uh, it, I will give unto thee the worth of it in money. He, he, um, it's, it, was, it was Naboth's choice whether he could give it away. He could have given it up. He could have made some money. It wasn't up to anybody else. He didn't have any family. It was up to him, and it was his choice. Some things that I realized that we shouldn't sell or shouldn't give up is salvation. That is something that most people take for granted. Even I take it for granted, not thinking about it every day, that I would spend eternity in hell. And a lot of times, if we didn't take it for granted, we'd care about others and not want them to go to hell as bad as uh, be thankful for what God has given us. Second thing is our testimony. Sometimes we do things or say things that we really should not. And we just are a terrible testimony for the Lord. I know myself included, everybody makes mistakes, but just living how we ought to. Our walk with God. Sometimes we get rushed in the morning. We're in a hurry. Try to get your three chapters in or whatever you guys, uh, whatever you read. And just not staying focused and knowing what God has for you that day to help you through the day. Your Bible. If you just, would, I know today that just the King James Version is not important anymore. It's just whatever Bible works, it's the Bible. And lastly, your church. Many times people just settle for whatever church seems good, whatever church seems comfortable, whatever they enjoy. But keep what's, what's worth to you. In, that, in, that, uh, in the story there, Naboth, he knew what was uh, important to him. He knew that it was from his family. He, he knew it wasn't God's will for him to get rid of it. First off, God's, or the devil's trying to take something from you. Secondly, it's going to be counterfeit. Stay close to the people that can... Uh, give you wisdom. And lastly, it's your choice. Don't give it up even if you think it's better. It's not. All right. Since there's nobody at the stop sign, there's no timer. That's what I was told, right? All right. Oh, nice. By the way, he's the one that signed me up. That was him. Uh, so I got, I got a serpent or a snake in my bag. So I'm going to teach talk about betrayal in volleyball, <laughs> because I had uh, half my team leave me. No. Um, speaking of time, uh, you, you heard the story about the little Baptist boy and the little Catholic boy who were trying to get each other to, to go to each other's services, and the Baptist boy says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go to your service if you promise to come to my service. So the Baptist boy goes to the Catholic service, and the Catholic boy, he's asking questions the whole time, and the Catholic boy is explaining, oh, this is that, and, and this is that, and this is what it means. You know, that's the, that's the wafer, it's the body of Christ, and we eat, we eat the body of Christ. And so after they're done with that, the Catholic boy goes to the Baptist boy's service, and uh, they're taking up the offering. He says, what's that? Well, that's, that's how they give money for the church, so we can support the church, pay the bills, and, and all that. And then asked a few more questions, and the creature gets up to preach, and I didn't have it with me, but he takes off his watch, and he looks at it, and he goes, hmm, and he sets it down, and the Catholic boy, what's that mean? He says, absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. All right, so serpent. Serpent's mentioned all throughout the Bible. Um, Revelations 12.9, Revelations 12.9, all the way from the beginning of the Bible, all the way to the end of the Bible, we see mention of the serpent. The serpent is a picture of uh, Satan. A um, um, couple things uh, real quick. About the serpent, I don't have my watch on me, so I will need the uh, stop sign. 
But uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse number 9, Revelation 12, 9 says, get there. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So, um, looking at this verse, we see, and even in Genesis, if you were to read the beginning, chapter 3, verse of Genesis, the serpent is deceitful. The serpent is deceitful. Some characteristics about a serpent. The serpent is deceitful. Um, it says it very clearly here, and if you read the story of Genesis in chapter 3, uh, the serpent tricked Eve, beguiled Eve, uh, as the word the Bible uses, into eating the, uh, the fruit. Uh, and if we turn there real quick in chapter 3, verse 1, the second thing I want to show real quick. Um, verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall, need, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, and God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. See, the serpent likes to twist God's word. He likes to take bits and pieces and add little bits and take little bits out. Um, and we see that in uh, modern translations. We see that in false translations. He, he presents something that sounds very similar to what God said. Well, God said you could eat of all the trees. And Eve said, well, no, we can't, we can't eat of the tree of, of life or we can't touch it. God never said she couldn't touch it. He said you can't eat it. So we see Satan right from the very beginning trying to twist God's word, trying to uh, add to it and take out to where there's just enough truth that people don't realize the danger in it. And, and from day one, from, from the beginning of time, Satan has been trying to do that, and he's still doing it with modern translations, and he changes a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, and now you read some Bibles, so-called, and they're not even similar, but it was changed so, so little, little by little by little, that people don't realize it. Last thing, real quick, Matthew 10.16, Matthew 10.16. Um, this is one that I think a lot of people don't give uh, serpents credit for. This, uh, Matthew 10, 16, ver, uh, I'm, yeah, 10, 16, chapter 10, verse 16, says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. Satan is wise. Um, if you see cartoons or a lot of churches, a lot of places portray Satan as the guy with the pitchfork, and he's coming to get you, he's chasing you down, and everybody knows who Satan is, and, you know, if you see him run. But Satan's smarter than that. He, he's... He looks like, the Bible says, an angel of light. He's, he's, he's a deceiver. He can trick people. Um, I think a lot of people don't give Satan credit for how wise he is. Um, obviously, God is wiser, and he's provided us with the means to identify and um, avoid false teachings and false doctrines. But I think a lot of people get to this thing of, well, I, I would know Satan if I saw him, and obviously I'm not letting that in my house. But little by little by little by little, they're letting things in, and before you know it, they're living a life, and they have things in their home that they never would have let in had Satan just walked up to the door and said, hey, you want this? Well, no, obviously not. I don't want that. But how about this? And how about just a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more? Um, and I think that's a, a real danger that a lot of Christians don't realize is that Satan is wise, he's very deceitful, and he, he tries to twist and modify God's word to where it seems true, um, but it's not. You know, they say that rat poison is 90% good food. 
uh, but it, there's just enough poison in there to kill a rat, kill a mouse. You know, Satan's the same way. He'll give you a lot of truth with a little bit of lie and, and uh, false teaching in there. And that's a, a real danger that we need to watch out for.